TheLinguist.com, the power of language. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, said the gentleman, taking up a pen, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute, who suffer greatly at this present time. Many thousands are in want for common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want for common comforts, sir. Are there no prisons? asked Scrooge. Plenty of prisons, said the gentleman, laying down the pen again. And the union workhouses? Are they still in operation? They are still, returned the gentleman. I wish I could say they were not. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigour then? Oh, very busy, sir. Oh, I was afraid from what you had said at first that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course, said Scrooge. I am very glad to hear it. Under the impression that they scarcely furnish Christian cheer of mind or body to the multitude, returned the gentleman, a few of us are endeavouring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. We choose this time because it is a time of all others when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. What shall we put you down for? Nothing. Scrooge replied, uh, you, you wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left alone, said Scrooge. Since you asked me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I help to support the establishments I have mentioned. They cost enough, and those who are badly off must go there. Many can't go there. And many would rather die. If they would rather die, said Scrooge, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Besides, excuse me, I don't know that. But you might know it, observed the gentleman. It's not my business, returned Scrooge. It's enough for a man to try to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Seeing clearly that it would be useless to pursue their point, the gentleman withdrew. Scrooge resumed his labors with an improved opinion of himself. Meanwhile the fog and darkness thickened so, and people ran about with flaring links, proffering their services to go before horses and carriages, and conduct them their way. The ancient tower of a church, whose gruff old bell was always peeping slyly down at Scrooge, out of a Gothic window in the wall, became visible, and struck the hours and quarters in the clouds with tremulous vibrations afterwards, as if its teeth were chattering in the frozen head up there. The cold became intense, foggier yet and colder, piercing, searching, biting cold. The owner of one scant young nose gnawed and mumbled by the hungry cold as bones are gnawed by dogs, stooped down at Scrooge's keyhole, to regale him with a Christmas carol. But at the first sound of, God bless you, merry gentlemen, may nothing you dismay, Scrooge seized the ruler with such energy and action that the singer fled in terror, leaving the keyhole to the fog. At length the hour of shutting up the counting-house arrived. With an ill will, Scrooge dismounted from his stool and tacitly admitted the fact to the expectant clerk in the tank, who instantly snuffed his candle out and put on his hat.
You'll want all day tomorrow, I suppose, said Scrooge. If it's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient, said Scrooge, and it's not fair. If I was to stop half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used. I'll be bound. The clerk smiled faintly. And yet, said Scrooge, you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wage for no work? The clerk observed that it was only once a year. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December, said Scrooge, buttoning his great coat to the chin. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier next morning. The clerk promised that he would, and Scrooge walked out with a growl. The office was closed in a twinkling, and the clerk, with his long ends of his white comforter dangling below his waist, for he boasted no great coat, went down a slide on Cornhill at the end of a lane of boys twenty times in honor of its being Christmas Eve, and then ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt to play at Blind Man's Bluff. TheLinguist.com, the power of language.